MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer from the low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you. Ryan Rossine does a great job over with the Philadelphia CityCast. One of the things that we do at Beeson.com, we wind up taking sports from a local perspective and doing it for many markets like Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Denver, list goes on and on. Ryan does the one for the city of Philadelphia and also does great work with Sports Radio WIP. He's going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be taking a look at the recent Phillies turnaround. Do they have any value out there in the National League East? Also taking a look at the recent win streak that we've seen for the Atlanta Braves. What to make out of the New York Mets and the way that they've been able to maintain this season. So we're going to have a great chat with Ryan in the second segment. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday and this Father's Day Sunday. So happy Father's Day to all the wonderful dads out there as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. And we got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters here. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline and the other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. My that five-star review really did not wind up getting any Twitter questions in today, but we had a great day of baseball on Saturday, so let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Make it nine straight wins for the New York Yankees. They shut out the Toronto Blue Jays 4-0. The Blue Jays 
A lot of spots. Close right around a minus 145 to a minus 150 favorite. You just can't be doing that to the New York Yankees right now. They don't wind up having any home runs, but of all guys, Aaron Hicks winds up going out for three RBI and Jamison Tyon. Eight strikeouts in five and two-thirds innings. Michael King, he was the king. Two scoreless innings before Clay Holmes comes in. He gets a final four outs. He now has a 0-28 ERA. And Alec Manoa, Manoa, what? He was not great in this one. Giving up four runs over the course of five and a third innings. Raising his ERA to two. He's been good against everyone except for the Yankees. David Phelps, Tim Mesa, they combined for five outs. And Trent Thornton was able to give you two scoreless innings. But Yankees get it done as the Blue Jays go 0-8 of with men in scoring position. The Milwaukee Brewers have been averaging eight runs a game this season against the Cincinnati Reds, and they were on to Cincinnati and being able to beat them up 7-3 the final as Hunter Renfro gets his 12th home run season. William Thomas, his 13th as Renfro goes deep off of Luis Sessa. Sessa winds up giving up a run in his inning, and then the other home run, that was given up by Graham Ashcraft as his third was a load of Ashcraft, giving up six runs over the course of five innings. Revier Sam Martin, Ross Stepweiler, along with Art Warren, all give you all able to give you a scoreless setting. And Jason Alexander, nothing funny about this. Three runs, two of which were earned, given up in five and two-thirds innings from there. Miguel Sanchez winds up giving it out of the bullpen. And then Trevor Kelly, Hobie Milner, they're able to give you three scoreless. After winning 14 straight games, the Atlanta Braves they have now lost two straight. And after losing 10 straight games, the Cubs have won two straight. Six of three, Chicago is able to get it done as Kyle Wright Arguably his worst start of the year. He gives up 11 hits, 5 runs in total over the course of 6 innings. From there, you do wind up having a run and an inning given up by Colin McHugh. And Jesus Cruz comes in. He was able to give you a scoreless inning. And Adam Duvall, he does wind up going deep off of Justin Seal. 8th home run season for, for Seal. Relatively solid start. Giving up 2 runs over the course of 5 innings. Rowan Wick, Scott Efres. Five guys have been struggling out there in that Cubs bullpen recently. They go for a combined three scoreless innings, and Chris Martin, he gives up an unearned run in an inning to be able to take it to the Braves. We're going to be talking about this team a little bit later with Ryan Rossine, but in 10 innings, the Philadelphia Phillies, they say hot. 2-1 to one the final. I believe that they have now won 14 out of their last 16 games ever since the firing. It has been amazing to take a look at this Philadelphia Phillies team as you wound up having it from an unlikely source. Yadier Munoz, he was able to go deep. He winds up getting his second home run of the season. That one's coming off of Idris Amado-Mirez as Josiah Gray. Very good start here from the Washington Nationals. He needed length after that double dip. 117 pitches, six scoreless innings, giving up one hit. Arise more Ramirez from there. He gives up that solo home run in his two innings of work. Reed Garrett gives up the unearned run in the 10th inning before Andres Machado gets a pair of outs out of the bullpen and for the Washington Nationals. Just nothing doing off of Aaron Supernola. He winds up going eight scoreless innings. Brad Ann does wind up giving up a run in the ninth inning, but Sir Anthony Dominguez had him in the 10th inning being able to deliver a scoreless inning. DK Nation pick was on the Detroit Tigers and the Detroit Tigers put up two touchdowns as they wind up taking on the Texas Rangers by a count of 14 to 7. Entering into Saturday, the Detroit Tigers had a combined for the season 31 home runs in 64 games. Well, they wind up getting a trio in this one. Eric Goss winds up getting a third home run season. Avi Bias and Robbie Grossman also go deep. For Bias is fourth, Grossman is first. Both of those home runs come off of Taylor Hearn, who objectively had one of the worst starts of the year. Considering the opponent, three and two-thirds innings, eight runs, all of which weren't given up. The other home run was given up by Asus Tinoco, who got Tinoco to round. Three runs given up in one and a third innings. You wound up having the return of 
Jose LeClerc, and he gives up three runs in an inning. Now it's a 2070 area before John King comes in. He's able to deliver a pair of scoreless settings for the Rangers. They did want to get a pair of home runs off of Ronnie Garcia as Adolis Garcia gets his 13th home run season. Corey Seager is 14th as Garcia gives up four runs, three of which were earned over the course of six innings from there. Andrew Chafin will vest. They both give you a scoreless setting, and you did have Jason Foley give up three runs in the ninth, but by then, damage had been done. Damage was done by the umpires in the Miami Marlins and the New York Mets game. A pretty controversial strike three call on Jazz Chislam. Wanted Kelsey the Miami Marlins 3-2 to two the final as for the Marlins. They wanted going 2 of 10 with men in scoring position as you wound up having Braxton Garrett give up three runs over the course of four innings. Bullpen from there wasn't too bad as Dylan Floro, Richard Blyer both give you a scoreless inning and Jacob Yacobonis and Lewis Head combined for two scoreless as for the Mets. They did get a home run off of Garrett from Francisco Lindor. 11th home run season and his second in the last two days as Tywin Walker he was dealing. He gives up one run in six and two-thirds innings. Drew Smith gives you far outside the bullpen and Edwin Diaz found himself in a little bit of a sticky situation but he winds up giving up a run in an inning but was able to do just enough to be able to get the save. Justin Verlander, one of the top guys for that American League Cy Young to this point, hurt his candidacy a little bit, giving up seven runs, four of which were earned to the Chicago White Sox as the Southsiders shut out Houston by a count of 7-0 to Houston winds up having just three hits in this one. Never got a man in scoring position. Johnny Cueto, a really good start. Seven scoreless settings from there. Rinaldo Lopez was able to give you two scoreless as for Verlander. Was hurt by a Jose Altuve. Air out there in the field giving up seven runs, four of which were earned as he allows nine hits in three and two-thirds innings. From there, the Houston Astros who have the top open area in the big leagues. They went to work. Phil Maiden, four outside the bullpen. Hector Neris, a scoreless setting. And Brandon Bielak, three scoreless settings, but... For the Chicago White Sox, they have now put up four-plus runs in six out of their last seven games. So they look to be riding the ship. And the San Francisco Giants, for the second straight day, they take down the Pittsburgh Pirates by two runs. Seven to five in the final. As Alex Wood, not been having a great season thus far, gets the win. Probably didn't deserve it. He does wind up giving up a home run, four runs in total over the course of five and third innings going deep. For Pittsburgh off of him, Diego Castillo, fourth home run season. Then Daniel Vogelbeck would take Dominic Leon deep for his eighth home run season for Leon. He winds up giving up a run that sold home run over the course of two-thirds of an inning. You did wind up having Jake McGee and John Brebbia be able to combine for a scoreless setting before Tyler Rogers and Camilo Duvall. They come in, they give you a scoreless setting, but the San Francisco Giants had a pair of bombs of their own as Jose Quintana gives one up to uh, Wilmer Flores, his eighth home run season, then Austin Slater able to go deep for his fourth as Quintana gives up three runs, those two home runs over the course of five and a third innings. Will Crow gives up a pair of runs while getting just a pair of outs in the process. Anthony Benda, Chris Stratton, they combine for two innings with Stratton giving up a run along the way. And Ethan Embry, he gives up a run of his own in an inning of work. So the San Francisco Giants, they're able to continue their little bit of a winning streak. You wind up seeing the Tampa Bay Rays get back on track after they wound up getting shut out by the Baltimore Orioles 7-6. to They wind up getting it done, not on the run line, but on the money line. Jeffrey Springs, his worst start since being inserted into the Rays rotation, gives up four runs over the course of four and a third innings. You wind up having Matt Weisler give up a run and an inning, and Ryan Thompson and under run give it up in his inning of work, but... Jason Adam nods a 0-68 ERA out there in the bullpen. Gives you an out of the bullpen. And then Kelvin Fotcher, along with Sean Armstrong and Colin Pooch, all deliver a scoreless inning. And a race team that has been having a little bit of a tough time getting the deep ball going. They get one from G-Man Choi, his sixth home run of the season as Kyle Bradish. Looking like a fade until further notice. Now as a 7-38 ERA gives up six runs, all of which were over the course of four and a third innings, including that bomb. And he's now given up at least five runs in three out of his last five starts. Keegan Aiken, a pair of innings of the bullpen scoreless. Nick Vespi, a scoreless inning as well. But Dylan Tate lost a run in the ninth inning. He 
gets a blown save for a Orioles bullpen that is now in the top seven in terms of bullpen ERA and Joey Kribo. He was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. You did wind up having the Minnesota Twins go to Arizona and take down the Diamondbacks by kind of 11-1. This is that Diamondbacks team that in their 35 home games, they played just 11 overs, and this is one of them. Gary Sanchez is eighth home around the campaign, and Ryan Jeffers is fifth. Jeffers winds up going deep off of Caleb Smith, who wound up coming in for super long relief, giving up two runs over the course of four and a third innings after Luke Weaver gave up the other home run and gave up nine runs in three and two-thirds innings to raise his ERA to a 13.50. You wound up having a position player in Jake Hager give you a scoreless setting in for Arizona. Nothing doing in this game. It's Dylan, don't call me Al Bundy. One run given up over the course of eight innings, and Drell Cotton comes in to clean up the mess. He winds up being able to give you a scoreless setting as well. The LA Angels and Seattle Mariners wound up playing two, and both games wound up going to the Angels. Both games wound up going under. 4-2, the Angels wound up being able to take game one as Mike Trout. He winds up getting a home run in the 10th inning off of Diego Castillo. His 19th of the season as Diego Castillo having a really bad year. 525 ERA gives up two runs, one of which was earned in the 10th inning. And for Chris Flexen, not a bad start, giving up two runs over the course of five and a third innings. From there, Eric Swanson, Paul Seawalt, they both give you a scoreless inning. And you do wind up getting five outs out of the bullpen from Andres Munoz. And for the Seattle Mariners, lots of missed opportunities in this game. Dylan Moore was able to give you more. He winds up getting a home run off of Patrick. Sandoval's third home run season, but team leaves 10 men on base for Sandoval. Gives up just that home run over the course of six innings of work. Aaron Loop does wind up giving up a run in his third of an inning, but Archie Bradley gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Then Ryan Tapera, Rossio Iglesias, Jose Quijada. I'll give you a scoreless inning. And for scoreless innings, the LA Angels had nine of them in game two. Three to zero the final as Jose Suarez along Jimmy Harrigan. Combine a pretty much piggyback for eight scoreless innings before Archie Bradley gets a save. He winds up being able to deliver a scoreless ninth on six pitches, and Mike Trout goes deep again. 20th home run season off of Tommy Malone, and then Jared Walsh gets his 12th home run of the season as Walsh's home run. That winds coming off of Sergio Romo is submerges ERA to an 8-16 after he allows two runs in an inning just to Sheffield. He was, I was thinking, going to be the bulk guy. He wound up delivering two scoreless innings. Malone, honestly, not bad. He gives up one run over the course of four innings. That home run to Trout and Ben Murphy as the opener gives you two scoreless innings. But it didn't matter what the Seattle Mariners pitchers did. No runs in this game for the Seattle Mariners. They just got completely held down in this one. And speaking of getting completely held down, that wound up also happening to our good friends, the Oakland A's, as they wind up losing to the Kansas City Royals by a count of 2-0. For the Royals, they wind up having no deep balls in this one. They allow 11 men to be stranded on base, but Brad Keller, he was magnificent. Gives up just one hit over the course of seven innings. From there, you wind up having Scott Barlow along with Jose Cuas. Combined to be able to give you two scoreless innings. And for Oakland, and Cole Irvin delivered a good start. He gives up one run in six out of third innings. Fair to call him a tough luck loser. From there, Domingo Acevedo winds up giving you a scoreless inning. A.J. Puck gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning. Still a sub-2 ERA for him as Danny Amen and Zach Jackson. They combined to be able to give you a scoreless inning. But a long season for the A's. I believe that they have now lost 12 out of their last 13 games. It does continue. For the Boston Red Sox, they wound up getting pulverized by the St. Louis Cardinals. 11-2. St. Louis able to get it done in this one. As for St. Louis, Nolan Arenado, 13th home run season. Tyler O'Neill is 4th home run season. Nolan Gorman is 4th. As Cutter Crawford wound up getting the start. Probably shouldn't be starting for the Boston Red Sox right now. Gives up 4 runs, all of which were earned over the course of 4 innings. Giving up 2 of those home runs. Ryan Brazier from there. A scoreless inning. Austin Davis winds up having to eat 3 innings. Gives up just 1 run. Itacazza Sotomata and Enzo Robles. And themselves a very, very bad inning. They combined to give up six runs, five of which were earned in that inning. So, now it's not necessarily too terrific. And 
for the Red Sox. Not a lot doing in offense as Dakota Hudson. Very good start. Gives up two runs over the course of five innings. Zach Thompson in long relief. Three scoreless before TJ McFarlane. Cleans up the ninth inning scoreless. You wind up having the Colorado Rockies play us the San Diego Padres. And the Rockies have now won, I believe, each other last three against the Slam Diego Padres. They wind up being able to get the job done in this one by kind of 5-4 to four as Nick Martinez wound up allowing a pair of bombs, four runs in total over the course of his five innings as Charlie Blackman winds up getting his 11th home run season. C.J. Crone is 17th, 13 of which have come at Coors Field. And Ryan McMahon, later on in the game, he would get his fifth home run season off of Luis Garcia that wound up being the difference maker. Garcia gives up that home run in his ending of work to Bill Crisbett. Steve Wilson, they both give you a scoreless setting of Manny Machado, one of the top guys for the NL MVP. He winds going deep off of one. Odomar Marquez, 12th home run season for Marquez. He has given up at least three runs in all but two of his starts thus far this season. Another bad one. He gives up four runs over the course of five innings. So he didn't necessarily help this team to victory too much, but rather the bullpen. Alex Call made Daniel Bard both give you a scoreless inning, and you least just seen two scoreless for the Colorado Rockies to be able to get the job done. Speaking of being able to get the job done, the LA Dodgers did that. They take down the Cleveland Guardians by kind of 7-1 as Cal Quantrill had allowed three runs of fear in 24 out of his last 27 appearances. Gives up five runs over the course of five innings in this one, including home run going deep for the LA Dodgers. How about Mr. Trey Turner down for what? His ninth home run season is one Julio Arias. Wanted for delivering one of his better starts of the season. One unearned run given up over the course of six innings. David Price, Phil Beckford, Reyes, Moranta were able to give you a scoreless setting in for the Guardians. They kept this game under because you had Anthony Castro give up one run in two-thirds of an inning out of the bullpen, but Anthony Ghost, Nick Sandlin, they both give you two-thirds of an inning scoreless and Sam Antiges. He was able to come in. He was able to supply a scoreless setting, and you did wind up having a lot of unders when it came to the beginning of the MLB season, but all of a sudden we have been seeing things tick up with regards to the scoring. If you take a look at the last 30 days in Major League Baseball, a little bit over 52% of games have wound up going over the total as we are seeing 200 overs, 183 unders. That is right around 52.2% through the over. So that is something to certainly take note of. And something else to take note of is that underdogs have been having a little bit of a rough go of it as well as you take a look at what they've been able to do over the last, we're going to call it 30 days. 153 and 244 hitting at right around 38.5%. So if you take a look for the season, it's been very much a favorite heavy season. And I would argue that the short underdogs, they've been having a little bit of a worse time of it than bigger underdogs if you've been betting these on a game-by-game perspective as favorites overall for the season. 581, 379 straight up. So that's a 60.5% clip. But if you look at home favorites, they've won 362 times at 59.3%. But home favorites, they have had 109 wins that have been by approximately one run. So they're only covering the run line right around 41.4% of the time. And if you're looking overall for the season, 470 unders, 444 overs. That is a 51.4% clip to the under thus far this season. A little bit of a reversal from what we wound up seeing at the beginning of the season. And that's what we're all seeing in baseball right now. And that's what we wound up seeing on Saturday. Now, let's turn it forward to what we're seeing out there in the National League East, especially with the Philadelphia Phillies and a man that knows all about this. Ryan Rossi does a great job with the Philadelphia CityCast, powered by Brett Rivers, and he's going to be joining me next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Craig Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, 
the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, 
the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife... It's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to 
do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the VEASAN family podcast. Great to have on our guests. As over here at VEASAN, we do a series of city casts that are designed to be able to take a look at sports betting for a little bit of a local market. And one of those cities is the city of Philadelphia and the man 
that does a great job with that city cast powered by bet rivers is ryan rossi and on top of that he does a great job with sports radio wip he's out there take a look at the phillies for those of you guys who are nba fans he's got his thoughts with the philadelphia 76ers for nfl fans he's got you covered with the Philadelphia Eagles as well. And to be able to follow Ryan on Twitter, that is at Wise Rye, and Rye is spelled R-Y-E. That is all together. And Ryan, always a pleasure to have you aboard, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course, Greg. And of course, right after we wanted talking about the Philadelphia Phillies, the last time you joined me, about two, two and a half weeks ago on this podcast, and oh, are they going to be able to get back in the race with their manager now being canned, having Mr. Thompson take over on an interim basis? Answer has been absolutely. This is a Philadelphia Phillies team that I think they've lost two games since you wound up talking to me two and a half weeks ago. What has been going right for this Philadelphia Phillies team? Because I thought that the firing of Joe Girardi would be able to give this team a little bit of a kick in the rear end. But with that said, I didn't quite see this happening as this team has all of a sudden really been able to mesh. Yeah, it's quite literally unbelievable. I don't think anyone could have predicted this, Greg. I don't know what the odds would have been for this to play out how it has, but it would have been a long shot to say the least. You ask what has gone right, what has changed, everything. It's almost that simple. When a manager gets fired in season, a head coach, you know, any sport even, you know, you talk about the short-term success. It's fresh, new voice, maybe less stressful anxiety. It's just a different type of feel around the clubhouse and locker room. Maybe players are a little bit frustrated and feel like they're to blame. And they typically always are when that happens in season. So, you you know, you you see maybe three wins, five wins, even six wins in a row. You don't see 14 and two to start the month of June, four straight series wins on their way to five straight. It just seems like this team now, they play loose. They play with a ton of confidence, you know, even in a few games where the pitching wasn't there, bullpen wasn't there. This team visually never seems like they're out of it. That's a new feeling. I haven't felt that for the Phillies in quite some time, Greg. So I know that's not tangible evidence here, tangible explanation, but that's a huge part of it. The hitting's been great. Schwarber's been awesome this month, and he was terrible really leading into June. Uh, that's changed. They've been getting consistent starting pitching. Starters have gone six, seven, eight innings, unearned, two earned, no earned. We've seen a lot of that, which takes pressure off the bullpen. And the bullpen's been better. And Rob Thompson, the interim manager, he's you know making some different decisions that it seems like everything he touches right now turns to gold. Yep, it certainly has been turning to gold. We have seen Bryce Harper get a little bit of a rest in these last few days as well. So if you're looking for maybe a little bit of a worry point, that might be one of them. But I mean, it has certainly been going all right for the Philadelphia Phillies. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Ryan Rossi joining me. And they're not the only team in this division that things have been going right for, though. The Atlanta Braves, they have lost two straight games as we're talking right now, but They ran off a 14-game win streak. I think that we would both be in agreement. You take a look at the teams that the Atlanta Braves wound up playing, and, well, they aren't going to be a lot of teams that are going to be in the chase for a championship in October. But with that said, what the Atlanta Braves doing as well at the same time as the Phillies is incredibly impressive because while the Phillies have been able to put together this run, they haven't really been able to put a little bit of ground between they and the Atlanta Braves as 
both the Braves and also the Philadelphia Phillies. They've been able to close the gap a little bit on the Mets, but probably not as much as you'd expect with those teams and their runs as just nearly everyone not named the Nationals in the National League East. They've been able to get things going. It's wild, you know, but here in Philadelphia, this may sound crazy and some may not even believe me when I say this, but we don't really care about the Atlanta Braves win streak. I mean, I've wondered in the past week or so, like, you know, what if Atlanta wasn't doing this? Um, it's, it's impressive that both of these teams in this division did rattle off streaks like this. But for the Phillies, like for the fan base here and from the Phillies perspective, Greg, that's what I'll speak on. It's about a wild card berth, and it's sort of always been about that, right? So Atlanta's chopping into that lead a little bit as far as the Mets, but the Phillies right now, you know, they're two games out of a, a playoff spot. And the Phillies haven't been in the playoffs since 2011. If the Phillies make the playoffs, this season is a massive success. You know, still a lot of baseball to be played. We'll see where everything stacks up and how the NL East looks maybe this time in July, obviously this time in August. It's been wild. And I'm curious to see how this continues to play out with both of these teams, Atlanta and Philly, once they link up again, especially as the season goes on, how their Junes have gone. We'll see. It's going to be some interesting series here in, in the division between the Mets, the Phillies and the Braves. You have three clubs Two of them scorching hot, and then the Mets, we just know what they've done since day one. So looking at it as a more than competitive division than we anticipated, for sure. Yep, when we were taking a look at it a few weeks ago, it looked like, man, is there any team that's going to be able to track down the New York Mets? And all of a sudden, (laughs) the Atlanta Braves are firing on all cylinders, the Philadelphia Phillies are firing on all cylinders, and the Washington Nationals are looking sad and pathetic with Johan Adone. Still getting starts. Why? I have absolutely no ideas. Ryan Rothstein is right now joining me on the podcast. He does a great job with the Philadelphia CityCast. And speaking of this series, we're going to be seeing it go down on Sunday. I think that one of the worry points for the Philadelphia Phillies, if you do wind up having one, it is Zach Eflin. He is going to be facing against Jackson Tetrielt, which I think that this might be good for him because even if Eflin, who has right around a 70 RA on the road this season, gives up a few runs, I think now you're able to feel much better about the Philadelphia Phillies offense. Even with having Bryce Harper out the last few days, this has been a team that has been able to generate a whole bunch of runs. Kyle Schwarber has been able to do a good job for the team. And even with the ailments that the Philadelphia Phillies have had, I know that you're very aware that the Philadelphia Phillies have been able to get back a few guys. And now it feels like even some of the understudies for the Philadelphia Phillies, when they wind up getting their chance, they've been able to step up and they've been able to put up runs for the team as well. Yeah, that's been a huge key. Uh, you know, and, and like I said, to start, it's, you know, what has gone right, what's going on here. It's just quite literally everything and every button that Thompson presses and and those buttons have included. He's decided to go to the younger guys or even quote the other guys. Matt Verling hit two huge home runs against the Nationals. And he had one against Josh Hader a few weeks ago. Yes, a big one a couple weeks ago, you know. So that's the definition of, quote, uh, the other guy stepping up. And then you have young guys like Mickey Moniak, Bob Stott, Alec Bohm, who's had an up-and-down season, to say the least. He was the one that got caught saying, I bleeping hate this place on camera. He's been great with his bat, and he's gotten better a little bit defensively. Hoskins has been red hot with his bat, who has been you know, public enemy number one at times here in Philly. So the other guys have stepped up, the guys that were used to being inconsistent, have become consistent now all of a sudden. So when you have a lineup that features Harper, Schwarber, Castellanos, even JT Rio Muto, and guys that aren't one of those five names are winning you ball games, 
that's going to give you exactly what we've seen here you know, since Rob Thompson has taken over for Joe Girardi. Yeah, it's been incredible to take a look at what has been happening out there. And despite all the good that we've seen with the Philadelphia Phillies right now, you take a look at DraftKings, odds to be able to win the National League East. Right now, finding the Phillies at 11 to 1. The Mets are currently at minus 250. The Braves are at plus 250. And, well, if you want to take a shot on the Miami Marlins and the Washington Nationals, you're going to be able to get a King's Ransom if either of those two teams wind up winning the division, and rightfully so, because I think that's very fair to write them off. But I do take a look at this division right now, and I think that the minus 250 on the New York Mets is relatively fair. And I told you this on the podcast the last time. I could not wind up getting behind the Philadelphia Phillies at a plus price to be able to win the division until I wound up seeing something. I feel like I've seen something, and I think that at the time that we were doing this, the last time the Phillies were something like 15 to 16 to 1, I think at 11 to 1, not saying that they win it every single time, I'm sure that you would agree with me, this is not a case in which the Phillies win the division even north of like 20% of the time, but I think that 11 to 1 is actually relatively good value right now with this team because they have the talent to be able to put together a big second half of the season. And now we've actually seen them be able to put together a good sample the last few weeks. You're right. You bring up the Atlanta Braves a few minutes ago, Greg. And the Phillies turn things around from what we've seen here on a dime. They do the definition of full-blown 180. Still eight and a half back. And Atlanta, they strung together 14 straight wins. The Mets, they haven't been great. But tell you what, they've been good enough. You know, they've been good enough to keep that arm's length, if you will, between them and the Braves and then obviously the Phillies. So it's like, all right, can the you know the Phillies have just won 14 out of 16 games here? What's the next month going to look like for them? And for me, it's not letting it snowball the other way. That's what the Phillies have done to us here in Philly for the past decade. It's like, oh, they won four or five, lose five or six. Oh, wait, they just swept uh, the Mets lose five of seven. That's been their MO for a decade. We haven't seen that other shoe drop, if you will, yet since Rob Thompson has taken over. Will that other shoe drop? I don't think so. It does really feel like this team is different, not just obvious production wise, but just following them, talking to people that are there every day, you know, in the clubhouse, giving them interviews and everything in between. It it feels like this team is very different. So that makes me feel good about the wild card. But 11 to 1 right now, I think you feel relatively okay about that, given the odds and the circumstance and just how well the Phillies are playing. But I guess my point is, I'm curious to see when the fall off happens and how big of a a drop off slash fall off, if you will, will actually occur. And you're getting this big plus price because the Braves, they're currently six and a half games back of the Mets and the Phillies, they are eight games back. So despite all the great work that the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies have done here in recent weeks, they're still north of six games back of the New York Mets, which I think that that's a real testament to how good this Mets team is because we just wound up talking about the Phillies, how great they've been. We've given a little bit of love to the Atlanta Braves as well. They're winning 14 straight games. We're talking about all this, and the Mets just continue to be this steady Eddie team. Now, we're talking about a fall-off with the Philadelphia Phillies as well, and I think it's inevitable that you're going to have the Mets wind up hitting a little bit of a baseball ditch as well because every single team – in a 162-game season, they wind up going through a stretch where 
they lose five of seven games. They lose three or four straight games. I mean, it's inevitable, but I take a look at this Mets team and they've just been as steady as they come. And they're not getting as many of the headlines because it's not necessarily flashy what they're doing, but and Buck Showalter has this team playing some amazing baseball, so we could talk all we want about value being out there in the National League East with some of these teams being able to do a solid job. But I mean, unless if the Mets wind up falling off, all that value is for not. No, I 100% agree, and, and I think we talked about this when I was on with you last time. <laughs> People like to say the Mets are going to med, and I joked last time, well, the Phillies are going to Philly. It seems like the Phillies have stopped phillying for now. I don't know. Like I said before, and I'll say it again, I don't think the Mets are going to met this summer. This Mets team is different. I don't think they're going to blow this, if you will, and have a collapse. Now, there's still a ton of baseball left to be played. And the way Atlanta and Philly are going right now, if the Mets have one bad week, and when I say a bad week, I mean, you know, six straight losses, then what is this division going to look like, right? Are the Phillies and or the Braves going to be able to capitalize? So that's all it takes. And as you just mentioned, Greg, if we're looking for a reason why to take the Phillies or the Braves in a long shot, despite us sort of starting this piece of the conversation by complimenting the Mets, I don't know. All all it takes is a bad seven to 10 day stretch. And as you illustrated, Greg, that's pretty much inevitable. So when does that happen? Is that bad timing? If it happens, as far as bad timing for New York and maybe good timing for Atlanta or Philly. So baseball is a crazy game, unpredictable, as we all know. So maybe not the worst idea to look at the Phils or the Braves right now. It has been Absolutely incredible to take a look at these teams in the National League. He says the top three teams, they are firing on all cylinders. Was hoping for a little bit more out of the Marlins this year. And well, the Washington Nationals, they signed Steven Strasburg after the World Series to a $245 million contract. So if you're right now distraught with your favorite baseball team and you're not a fan of the Washington Nationals, well, at the very least, you can feel good about that. So you're welcome on that. And Ryan, I know that you do a great job. Just taking a look at all the teams out there in the city of Philadelphia. It's not just Phillies with you. You do a great job taking a look at the Eagles. I know that you have been very, very on point with regards to taking a look at the Philadelphia 76ers. I know that you've got a lot of opinions with that team and just everything that's going around because I know that you've joined my college basketball podcast as well, taking a look at Villanova and the Philly five matchups this year, I think are going to be terrific as well. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and just what's all on tap for you. Yeah, thank you, Greg. As always, always have fun uh, chatting with you here, whether it's baseball or basketball, whatever we may be discussing, but simple. If you want to follow anything I have going on, whether it's the city cast, whether it's my shows on 94WIP, just the Twitter handle at Wise Rye, something you already gave out there. So I appreciate that too, man. Uh, W-I-S-E-R-Y-E. You'll find links to everything I have going on, how to find everything I have going on and everything in between. So just give me the follow there on Twitter. And Ryan doing an absolutely terrific job with the Philadelphia CityCast powered by Bart Rivers along with his absolutely tremendous work at WIP as well. So big thanks to Ryan Rothstein for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. And coming up next, it is that time to podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on... 
the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to 
do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, 
the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back. I love you, Las Vegas, for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. Always great to get Ryan Rossing on the show. He does a great job with our Philadelphia CityCast. We've got CityCast for so many different cities. Chicago is the one that 
Danny Burke over here does. He has joined me on the podcast a few times. Daniel Avari does the one for Los Angeles. Will Hill does a great job with Vsin's Point Spread Weekly. He does the one for New York. Colin Kushner holds it down for Denver. And Ryan does the one with Philadelphia. That's powered by Bart Rivers and also does great work over there with Sports Radio WIP. So a big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore D1. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So we are going to be beginning with that first National League game. By the way, no double dips, unlike the last few days. So that is going to help us out as we begin with 901-902 on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies, they're going to be in the road, and they're going to be facing off against the Washington Nationals. As you've got Zach Cufflin, who's going to be going for the Nats, and you've got the young gun in Jackson Tetrielt, who's going to be going for the Nationals. The Nationals are finding themselves in between plus 140 and plus 155. Meanwhile, with the Phillies, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 160 and minus 165. And Don's game is 9.5. The over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. And with the Philadelphia Phillies, wind up making them a sizable favorite against the Nationals team that have not been able to get things done all season long. Minus 178 on the money line. And if you're taking a look at that Phillies run line, right now you're finding it at a minus 110. I was willing to go up to a minus 115 personally, so I'm going to look to reduce the juice. I think that there's a good chance with this Phillies offense that we could wind up seeing them being able to win this game by multiple runs. We talked about the Phillies turnaround with our good friend Ryan, and you do take a look at this Philadelphia Phillies team, and you've got a lot of guys that are getting on base for them. Bryce Harper has been out the last few games, so you do want to be noting that, but even with them out, you've got Nick Cassianos, Odubo Herrera, Alec Boehm, all hitting between about a 250 to a 260. J2 Riomito just below that, and Kyle Schwarber hasn't really been able to hit for average, but 18 home runs going into what we wound up seeing on Saturday with a 343 on base. And for the Nationals, you've got quite a few guys that are getting on base for you as Yadiel Hernandez, Cesar Hernandez, both of these guys in between about a 260 to a 270. And you've also got in that full key better Weez, Josh Bell. He's been able to do a very solid job. He's hitting right around a 300. He's been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. And Nelson Cruz hitting overall for the year just above a 250. But take a look at what he's been able to do over the last three days. He's been hitting right around a 350. So he has certainly been able to pick it up powers on as he been there. And then Juan Soto is currently hitting right around a 220. It has actually been a really bad year for him. Still has a double-digit amount of homers. But in a cut ceiling yesterday, things not going well there. Luis Garcia is able to get on. But you've got a pair of bullpens that are not necessarily trustworthy. And for the Nationals, there is Izzy Lester worthy of the two as Kyle Finnegan you just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him guy with north of a four ERA Josh Rogers who's come out of the bullpen along with the Rasmo Ramirez north of four or five ERAs out of them you haven't been able to get a lot of Andres Machado Tanner Rainey has not been too terrific I mean Carl Edwards Jr. might be one of your best relievers and then on the other side Corey Knable Brad Hand they've been able to provide some solid innings out both of these bullpens have been taxed by the double dip that we wound up seeing a few days ago but I mean that's a jersey familiar has not necessarily been too terrific for the team 
game. If you're looking for someone solid, Andrew Bellotti has been able to do a solid job along with Connor Brogdon. So I do think that the Philadelphia Phillies are going to be able to get a relatively solid start here from Zach Eflin, someone who has been doing a good job of not giving up a lot of walks. Right around two walks per nine innings, a little bit over a homer per nine innings. So you do want to know with Zach Eflin. Homer and split's not great. Buck 95 home here. 713 roadie here, even though five of his seven home runs have wound up coming in home games thus far this season. And Tetriels, this guy was not impressive at the minor league level. He made his MLB debut on Tuesday, gave up seven runs in four innings. This is a guy that you do not want to be trusting whatsoever. Didn't wind up having great command at the minor league level, gave up a lot of hard contact, didn't necessarily get a lot of strikeouts. Not a lot of redeeming qualities here, so this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the run line. I think that Tetriels has given up some runs. I think that Eflin is as well, so my total at 9.8. So looking run line of the Phillies and looking over. 903-904 on the banging board. The San Francisco Giants have thrown face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mitch Keller is going to be going for the Pirates and Alex Cobb is going to be going for San Francisco. The Giants are finding themselves anywhere between minus 167 and minus 180 favorites. Meanwhile, if you take a look at Pittsburgh, you're going to be finding them right around a plus 155 and 8.5 is your total. The over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and even money. And when it comes to Cobb and company, I did wind up saying the Giants at a minus 183. If you're taking to look at the run line right now, you're going to be finding that right around a minus 115. I was willing to lay up to a minus 120, so I'm going to reduce the juice. I'm going to look to a run line with Alex Cobb. He has legitimately had a fielding independent that's been more than two points lower than his ERA all season long. 573 ERA. Fielding independent is more in the pocket of about a three, so this guy's legitimately been incredibly unlucky thus far this season, and really unlucky on the road. He's 1-0 in his three road starts, but a 689 ERA. Been a case in which his strikeouts per nine rate is north of nine, but opponents are at 317. He has not been getting any help whatsoever from his defense, so that has been a little bit unfortunate. And then take a look at Mitch Keller on the flip side. They were thinking about taking him out of the rotation, and in his three starts since coming back into the rotation, he has given up two one and two runs against the Dodgers, the Detroit Tigers, and the Cardinals, with the Cardinals and the Dodgers start on the road. So he's actually been able to do a halfway decent job there. As always, well, had pretty decent stuff. He's getting right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. His home runs per nine rate is one. The big thing with him always has been walks. He is getting right around four walks per nine innings. And at home, 508 ERA, 506 road ERA. So it's been pretty equal with that regard. And you take a look at this Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen. And all but four of their wins have come out of the bullpen thus far this season. But you don't necessarily have a lot of great arms in this bullpen. Chris Rain all year long has been all over the place. Now, I will say this. David Benar has been terrific. Buck 14 ERA. And Chase Young is a little bit of a long guy. He's posting up right in the neighborhood about a two ERA. But you haven't been able to get anything out of Anthony Banda along the Embry. Both of these guys have north of a seven ERA. Dwayne Underwood Jr. He's a little bit touch and go as well. And for the San Francisco Giants, not been a great bullpen for them either. A lot of these guys have been dealing with injuries. John Brebbia has been able to do a solid job. He's got a sub three ERA. Camilo Duvall, Jarlin Garcia. These guys have been able to come in. They've been able to hold down the four and for the Giants. The good news for them is that they're going up against a Pirates team that ends up able to do a great job of being able to get on base. Now, Brian Reynolds has been able to hit right around a 300 over the last 21 or so days. He's picking it up with the power, but take a look at the bottom. Cal Mitchell, Jax Wozniski, Yu Chang, pretty much the entirety of the catcher spot. All these guys hitting a 220 or lower is not too terrific, but you do have Michael Chavis hitting a 260. Cabrian Ace, he's hitting right around 275, though Daniel Vogelback, ever since he's been injured, it's not been great. And then take a look at the San Francisco Giants. Darren Ruff has not been very good on the road, but you do have Mike Ustremski hitting a 270 for the team. Thario Strada, Jack Peterson, they're in that pocket as well. Jack Peterson, a double-digit amount of homers for the team. Brandon Belt looks to be picking up a little bit. He just has not been able to produce the same way that he wound up doing a season ago, wound up being injured for much of last month, so 
getting him back, that's going to be able to help this team out. I do think that Alex Cobb doing for some positive progression, and I do like the way that Mitch Keller has actually been able to pitch recently, but I do think that he's doing for a little bit of progression, and both of these bullpens don't necessarily do a great job of being back up their starters either, so I do wind up saying my total at an 8.7, I'm looking over, and I'm looking at the Giants on the run line as we go 9-5, 9-6 on the main board. The Milwaukee Brewers are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Cincinnati Brides. We are on to Cincinnati, and Mike Miner hopes to not be a major disappointment for Cincinnati, and Adrian Dokami Dugiauser are going to be on the bump for Milwaukee. Milwaukee, in between a minus 125 and a minus 135 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Reds, you're going to be finding them at a plus 115, 9.5 is your total, over and under, both at minus 110, and when it comes to Milwaukee Brewers, I did wind up saying them as a favorite of minus 142, so I'm going to be willing to take them here. Now, when it comes to Mike Miner, this is more or less a fate of him, rather than backing Adrian Dokami Dugiauser, because take a look at Hauser, and it's not necessarily been too terrific for him. He's given up four plus runs in three out of his last four starts, and he's given up five home runs in those starts as well. He's only given up six home runs for the season, so I do think that the deep ball that he's been giving up a little bit recently, that might be a little bit of an outlier, and you take a look at the home and road splits for Hauser. Those are a little bit more concerning. 572 road ERA, 294 home ERA, despite the fact that he's only given up two home runs in 28 and a third innings on the road, and you take a look at Hauser. He's very much a pitcher contact guy. He's someone that's getting right around six after seven strikeouts per nine innings, but Mike Miner, it's not like he's doing necessarily the world's greatest job of getting swings and misses himself. He's given up six home runs in 14 and two-thirds innings. I think that we're going to see that bump down a little bit, but I mean, you even take a look at what he wound up doing during the 2021 season. He had north of a five ERA. His walks per nine rate wasn't too bad, but he was giving up the deep ball that season as well with more than a home run and a half per nine innings. And this is a Brewers bunch that against Cincinnati this year, they're averaging darn near eight runs per game. And that's over the course of eight games. This is a Brewers team that they can't hit darn near anyone other than the Cincinnati Reds as you got a trio of guys that have been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers in William Thomas, Rowdy Tellez, and Hunter Renfro. You wound up having Thomas go deep once again yesterday, only getting a 205 for the season, but looks like he's starting to pick it up with the Burrs. You legitimately only have one guy in the lineup from yesterday that's hitting above a 270 that seemed meaningful at bats. That throws out their Jonathan Davis, who wound up just getting called back up to the big leagues a few days ago, but that would be Omar Narvaez, but Hunter Renfro, along with Rowdy Tellez and Christian Yelich, they're in right around a 240 to a 255. These guys have been able to do a rock solid job. And then for the Cincinnati Reds, this is a team that going into yesterday, they had, had four plus runs in 23 of their last 25 games. And they do have Jonathan India back in the fold. He, along with Brandon Dury, hitting between a 265 and 275. Drury has been able to give you 14 home runs thus far this season. You've got Tommy Pham giving you a 350 on base, along with Kyle Farmer. And Farmer is hitting a 290 himself, along with Albert Tamora Jr. So these guys have been able to do a nice job. Joey Vato, ever since he came off the COVID IL, he's got right around a four on base. But what else the Reds have? They've got an ERA in the bullpen that is north of five that is worse out there in the big leagues. They're relying upon guys like a Ross Detweiler, who is very long in the tooth right now. Give them innings. Revier St. Martin, it looks like, is coming back to the bullpen. And he's got a 12 ERA. Art Warren on her circling. These guys have been terrible. And for the Brewers, they've been dealing with Josh Hader being on the paternity list. Congratulations to him, but that means that they're a little bit short-handed there, so Obi Milner has been able to do a solid job this year. Got to figure that he's probably going to get a few more innings. Devin Williams is becoming pretty much a closer for this team until he winds up coming back off the paternity list. Brad Boxberger able to do a relatively solid job as well for this team, and I do think that Hauser is going to be able to give this Brewers team just enough to be able to get the job done at this price.
price. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 142 here with the Milwaukee Birds. Don't necessarily want a run line here, but certainly willing to take the money line in. When it comes to total, set it at a 9.7 minor. It's been a pretty major disappointment this year at Hauser. He's not necessarily been too great himself, and you do currently have Josh Hader currently away from the team. So looking over and looking at the crew as we go 907-908 on the bang board. The Miami Marlins, they're going to be hitting the road. They're going to be facing off against the New York Mets as Chris Bassett as the hook, line, and sinker for the Mets. And Sandy Alcantara is going to be on the bump for the Fish. The Fish find themselves anywhere team plus 113 and plus 117. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Metropolitans, it's between minus 123 and minus 135. Your total on this game is 7. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even money and minus 115. And with the Marlins, I want to making them a very slight favorite. And Sandy Alcantara, we trust it has been a rough series this far. For the Miami Marlins, but Sandy Alcantara, he and Joe Musgrove have to be one and two right now for the Cy Young. And you just take a look at what Alcantara has been able to do in his last four starts. He has given up a combined three total runs. If you want to go last five starts, he had three unearned runs in there, but three total earned runs over the course of those last five starts. He has won at least seven innings in every one of them. This guy has been absolutely amazing. He has given up four home runs in a little bit over 90 innings thus far this season. His walks per nine rate is right around about a 2.6, and he gets right around eight strikeouts per nine innings, but opponents earning a buck 92 off of him on the road, a 2.11 ERA. He has been terrific, and for Chris Bassett, his last start against the Milwaukee Brewers might have been his best of the season. Eight scoreless innings, he looked very impressive there, and he's done a solid job of being able to not give up a lot of free passes, right around 2.7-ish walks per nine innings. His home runs per nine rate, right around a 1.3. You'd like to see a little bit more, but at home, he's been significantly better than on the road. Three home ERA, right around a 545 ERA on the road, and for the Mets, what you do like for this team is that they just wind up backing up their starter with a little bit of better bullpen for the Miami Marlins. You've got a guy on the other side who wound up beginning the month of June with a 1-1-2 ERA. Now that ERA is above a 6, you can't say that for any of the Mets. As Adam Adovino has been a little bit tough this season along Seth Lugo. Both of these guys have relatively not-so-great ERAs compared to their Sanders. Both right around like a 3-ish, but Seth Lugo is able to lower his a little bit. Drew Smith is able to give you good innings. Jason Shreve, Jolie Rodriguez, these guys have been having a little bit of a tough time of it, but you do have Edwin Diaz, who's been able to do a solid job for this team, and for the Miami Marlins, Anthony Bass has been able to do a solid job, but with that said, you've also got a guy in Steve Okert that he's been able to come in, he's been able to hold down the fort right around a 275 ERA, and for the Miami Marlins, you do have guys that are able to get on base for this team, as you've got Garrett Cooper, who's hitting a little bit above a 300 for this bunch. You've also had the backup catcher, and Mr. Nick Fortes, who's been able to do a solid job as well. Ode Solaris on this, he's been able to hit for a lot of average, but he's been able to give you 12 home runs thus far this season. They're currently dealing with Asus Sanchez being on the injured list, so it's a little bit tough for them. You get Roas, Avicio Garcia, they're hitting between about a 225 to a 235. Jazz Chislam, though, he's been able to give you a double-digit amount of home runs, and for the Mets, they right now lead the league in terms of both batting average and on base. Mark Canna has been able to hit right around a three, and then a lot of guys hitting right around that 275-ish pocket. Sterling Marte, Pete Alonso, Alonso, he has been amazing at being able to go yard 19 home runs that leads the National League. Brandon Nemo has right around a 365-ish on base. Jeff McNeil is hitting above 300 long fluids. Cole Orme, so it's going to be a little bit tough for Alcantara to be able to get through it, but I do think that Alcantara is going to be able to give a very good start. And the Marlins, it's not like their bats are supreme, especially with Aces Aguirre now on the injured list, but I think that they're going to be able to get enough offense against bats and a bullpen that is a little bit better than theirs, but not necessarily elite for Alcantara to be able to get the job done in this spot. You take a look at the Marlins, and they have actually went 4-1 in Alcantara's last five starts, so they've been very good 
whenever he has been on the mound. So I'm willing to take a shot here on the fish being able to get a plus price. Do mind saying my trailer at 7.2. I do think that we're going to see a couple runs given up by the bullpen. So looking at the over and looking at the Miami Marlins. I know 9-9-10 on the betting board. We got the Atlanta Braves in the red face off against the Chicago Cubs as Kyle Hendricks, a professor, is going to be going for the Cubs, and Ian Anderson is on the bump for Atlanta. Atlanta has find themselves anywhere between minus 148 and minus 155. Meanwhile, with the Cubs, it's anywhere between plus 130 and plus 140. Currently, there is no total up on this game because it is a Wrigley Field game. I'm actually seeing one initial total of an 8 with an over at a minus 115 and an under at a minus 105. Looks like, from my vantage point, the wind is going to be blowing in, but it's going to be blowing in at like 5 miles per hour. It's really going to be very much a non-factor in this game if there is a wind non-factor for Eagle Field because it's going to be very, very tame. So I did wind up saying my total at an 8.7, which means an 8.5 or less. Looking at an over and a 9 or higher, I'd be looking at an under. And when it comes to the Braves, set them at a minus 137. So getting a plus 140 like I'm seeing with the Cubs, willing to take a shot here. Kyle Hendricks is just significantly better when the wind is blowing in slash non-existent rather than the wind is blowing out because he's very much a pitch of contact guy. This is someone that this far this season, he's only been able to get right in the neighborhood about six to six half strikeouts per nine innings. He's always been a better pitcher at home than he has been on the road. 434 home ERA, 581 road ERA. That has really been the career of Kyle Hendricks to this point. He has given up 11 home runs in 63 and two-thirds innings, but the wind being non-existent slash blowing in very slightly, that is going to be able to help him out a tad end. For Ian Anderson, the big thing for him has always been command. He's given up a little bit over four walks per nine innings, and he just hasn't been good recently. He's given up four-plus runs in four out of the last five games. It's a wonder that the team was able to have their winning streak with Ian Anderson giving up runs upon runs, and the only game in which he gave up fewer than four runs against, I mean, that was against the Oakland A's, so that's not too terrific. Now, he has actually been a little bit better on the road for 15 road ERA compared to a 584 home ERA, but not going great for him and for the Atlanta Braves. After winning 14 straight games, they've now lost two straight, so you feel like maybe there's a little bit of negative regression that's coming in for them. They've only hit one home run in their last two contests with Adam Duvall, ironically enough, being the man that wound up hitting it yesterday. He's had a rough season in just a 209. I do think that they're going to be able to rebound a little bit with the bats in this one, though. Austin Riley has been able to give you 18 home runs thus far this season. Ronald Lacuna Jr., Dansby Swanson, William Contreras, all these guys in between about a 289 to a 300. And you've had Michael Harris the second come up to the big leagues, and he has been tremendous, hitting north of a 325. And legitimately, Orlando Arcia has been better than Ozzy Albies, who's currently on the injured list. So that's been a nice event for the C Matt Olson, having a little bit of a downer for the power aspect of his game, but still has right around a 345 on base. And then take a look at the Chicago Cubs, and you've got a lot of guys who've been able to get on base for this team. Wilson Contreras, Christopher Morrell, Ian App, Nico Horner, all in between about a 270 to 285. And for Contreras, along with Patrick Wisdom, both of these guys have 12 home runs now. Wisdom is on pace for over 200 strikeouts this year, and it's not been too terrific for him. And then you take a look at the bottom of the lineup as you have Jason Award, Alonso Dalton Simmons, Alfonso Rivas. These guys are hitting a 210 or lower. That's been a little bit tough for the Seaman. When it's really been bad for the Chicago Cubs, this bullpen has not necessarily been too terrific. They used up Rowan Wicks, Scott Efforts, and Chris Martin all for at least 19 pitches yesterday, which means that you're going to be looking at some less than trustworthy guys. Alec Mills in the long release spot has been absolutely terrible for the Seaman. Michael Givens, he's now got 
gotten north of a 4 ERA. Brandon Eves has not been too bad for this team, but I expect a little bit of negative regression there. Adrian Sampson is someone that they might be looking at for long relief, and it's a place where you don't want to be in the Atlanta Braves. They've got a top 10 team in terms of bullpen ERA as well. A.J. Minter as a sub-150 ERA down Lee, I believe, has given up just one or two earned runs all season long. Aces Cruz has been able to give you some good innings. Jackson Stevens as a long guy has been able to do a solid job, so I do think that the Atlanta Braves could be able to have some relatively solid relief, but I've got my question marks with Ian Anderson being able to get north of a plus 138 here with the Cubs. That appeals to me looking at the Cubs in this spot and seeing the lone 8 out there, I'd be willing to take that over. As a matter of fact, I'd be willing to take an 8.5 over in this spot as well. 9-11, 9-12 on the bidding board. The Slam Diego Padres at third face off against the Colorado Rockies as Antonio Sensatella is going to be going for the Rockies and Blake Snell is going to be on the bump for the Padres. The Padres are finding themselves in between minus 130 and minus 140 favorites and for Colorado, going to be finding them at a plus 120 with 11.5 to 12 being your total 11.5. Over is minus 135 and the under is plus 115 on the 12. You're finding the over and the under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 and I think we might have went a little bit too far when it comes to the total as I wound up setting mine at an 11.2. So I'm going to be diving under. I'm with the Padres. I made them a minus 128-ish favorite right now. We're seeing the Colorado Rockies at a plus 120. So I'm really not on either of these. If you're taking a look at the run line right now on this, you're only finding the San Diego Padres in between about a plus 110 to a plus 115. If anything, I would look to take a run in F and lay a minus 130 on the Colorado Rockies. Personally, I'm hoping that this thing just winds up getting to a plus 128, and I'm looking to take the Rockies there. But, I mean, in some form or fashion, whether it be taking a run in F or just taking the money line itself, I'm going to be looking at the Colorado Rockies. I just have no faith in Blake Snell whatsoever right now. He has been all over the place in his San Diego career. And you take a look at his home and road splits, especially from last season, just because he doesn't have too large of a sample size this season. And this guy has been absolutely terrible on the road. He's made two road starts thus far this season and nine and two-thirds innings. He's given up five runs, so whoopty sink can do there. But going back to the 2021 campaign, I mean, it was just one of those cases in which he was solid at home with a 250 ERA, 6-12 road ERA, and 15 starts, and he just couldn't command. He wound up having north of six walks per nine innings on the road. And for Antonio Sanzatello, this is a guy that's giving up right around 13 hits per nine innings. That is very, very far from terrific. But with that said, he's only given up three home runs, and his walks per nine rate, that is sub two. Now, the one thing for the Colorado Rockies is that they have lost each out of his last five starts after they actually began the season 4-1 and one in his first five starts, so that has been a little bit of an issue for the team, but take a look at the way that Sensatella has been able to pitch at home. 390 home ERA compared to a 675 road ERA, which, considering he's a pitch contact guy, makes absolutely no sense, especially with opponents hitting a 382 off of him at home, and you take a look at this Padres team, and they're just a little bit of a top-heavy bunch and haven't been able to get a lot of guys on base. Now, you got a few guys that have been able to pick it up a little bit more recently for the team as Rickson, Profar, Drake, Cronenworth. They're both now hitting a 250. Eric Cosmer is hitting right around 290, but he's only got four home runs this season. Many Machado, 11 bombs. He's hitting a 325, and Machado's the only player on the team with north of eight home runs. You have had Ordeo Faro be able to pick it up, and Noah Mazzara. And his small sample size has been solid, so... Feels like things are turning around. So got guys like Awesome Kim, Trent Grisham, whenever he's been out there, Austin Nola, not doing a lot for the team. But for the Colorado Rockies, they had about a 275 as collective at home. That is the best home batting average out there in the big leagues. You've got someone like a CJ Crone who's got 16 home runs this season, and 12 of them have wound up coming at home, and he's got north of a 340 batting average whenever he's been at Coors Field. I believe that Brendan Rodgers has had all six of his home runs at home this season. And for the Colorado Rockies, it has been a very putrid bullpen. They're second worst out there in the big leagues in terms of ER 
ERA, and now you are dealing with some injuries when it comes to this bullpen. Tyler Kinley, legitimately their best bullpen piece, is out of the fold. But take a look at some of these guys like Lucas Gobreth, and he's got north of 5 ERA thus far this season, but a sub-3 ERA when it comes to him being at home. You've had Daniel Bard be able to do a very solid job for the team, but Carlos Aceves, he's got north of a 5 ERA. But a lot of these guys actually do a little bit better at home than they do on the road for the San Diego Padres. It's been a little bit tough to go when it comes to this bullpen as well. Steven Wilson, he's got right around a 375 ERA to He's been rocking north of a 5 ERA. Luis Garcia has been a little bit up and down for the team this season. Right around a 3-ish ERA over his last 12 appearances. Nothing great, nothing terrible out of him, but you've been able to get some good closes out of Taylor Rogers, I believe that he is up to 20 saves thus far this season. So I do take a look at the spot. I think that the Padres should be a bit of a favorite, but getting north of a minus 130, that's just a little bit too much in some form or fashion, whether it be Rockies money line or the Rockies being able to catch a run and a half, and I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 130 there. I'm going to be taking a look at this Colorado bunch. So either money line or run line, depending upon late night line movement. And here at the 12, looking at an under as well. 913, 914 on the bang board. The Tampa Bay Rays in the road. They're going to be facing off against the Baltimore Orioles. As you've got Jordan Lyles is going to be going for the Orioles. And Corey Kaluber is going to be going for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is finding themselves in between minus 130 and minus 135 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're looking at Baltimore, it's anywhere between plus 110 and plus 125 with your total 8. The 8 as overjuice anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. And when it comes to Baltimore, I do wind up saying them as much more of a sizable underdog. I needed at least a plus 156 to be able to take a shot there. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Rays in this game with the Tampa Bay Rays. They just always do a great job with their bullpen. And I won't disparage the Orioles bullpen here as well because they've actually been able to do a great job going into what we wound up seeing this weekend, a top eight bullpen in terms of ERA. But I do think that there's still going to be a little bit of regression here. You've got pretty much five closers on this Baltimore Orioles team with a sub-2 ERA. Ore Lopez, Nick Vespi, CNL Perez, Felix Bautista, Dylan Tate, and that's just not sustainable. Keegan Aiken has started to get hit around a little bit more for the team. And for Jordan Lyles, it's just really hard to have a lot of faith in him. He wound up having 38 home runs surrendered last season. He's been able to rein that in a little bit more. He's given up more like 1.3-ish home runs per nine innings, three walks per nine. Not necessarily much of a swing and miss guy, though. And Take a look at things, and opponents are aiming for the season a 296 off of them, and right around a 290 at home. Although I will say, home ERA of a 293, that just feels like a little bit of a Medusa, though, because opponents, like I said, they're hitting a 290 off of them in 30 and two-thirds innings at home. He has yet to give up a home run. I think that that's doing for a little bit of regression. And then you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays. Jason Adam has been able to do an absolutely amazing job all season for this team. He's got a sub-2 ERA. Compooch has been able to do a good job as well. And then you take a look at the Klubot and Corey Kluber, and he's been able to just deliver good starts in general. Against the LA Angels, he wound up getting lit up a little bit over a month ago, but that's really his only start this season, which he has allowed more than three runs. You take a look at Kluber, and he's got right around a 403 road ERA. You take that LA Angels start out of it, and he's actually been relatively rock solid. Overall for the season, he's given up a little bit over one home run per nine innings, sub two walks per nine as well. So that has been impressive for this team. Now with the Tampa Bay Rays, they are lacking a little bit of power that you've seen in past years for this team, but they were really able to do a nice job of just being able to get contact in general yesterday. And I have a lot of guys in general that have been able to get on base for this team as Yandy Diaz right around a four-arm base, G-Man Choi, Manuel Margot. They're hovering more around 8370, Harold Ramirez. He's been able to right around 295, Randy 
Cardoso Reina. He's hitting about a 260. Then you do have guys like uh, Vidal Brujan, Taylor Walls, Isaac Paredes, going below the middle line of 200. And then for Baltimore, you've been able to have quite a few guys be able to consistently get on base for this team. Austin A's, Tree Boom Boom Mancini, Ryan Mountcastle, now all hitting at least a 270 for this team. Richie Martin has actually been able to hit above a 250 as well. Ryan McKenna has actually been able to do a decent job now. Guys like Tyler Nevin, Ellie Rushman, who's going to be good someday. Rune Adorador, these guys hitting a 215 or lower. And it's been a little bit tough for them. So I do think that it's going to be a little bit hard for the Orioles to be able to put runs up on the board. And I do think that there's going to be some negative regression here for Jordan Lyle. So I'm going to be willing to take the raise on the money line. Made the more around a minus 155. And did why I'm saying my total at 8.3, banking on a little bit of regression here from Jordan Lyle. So looking over, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Tampa Bay Rays as we wind up going to 9.15, 9.16 on the betting board. The New York Yankees, they throw it, they're going to be facing off against the Toronto Blue Jays as for the Blue Jays, it's Yusei Kikuchi who's going to be on the mound, and Luis Severino is going to be on the bump for the Yankees. Yankees are in between minus 128 and minus 135 favorites. Meanwhile, with Toronto, it's anywhere between plus 115 and plus 120, with 9 being your total. The under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and even money. And when it comes to the New York Yankees, I want to make them a minus 139 favorite, so I'm going to be willing to lay the minus 130 to a minus 135. Don't really want to get too frisky with regards to run line, even though this has been a New York Yankees team that has been absolutely masterful this year. I mean, you've got Aaron Judge along with Anthony Rizzo with 42 combined home runs this season. To put that into perspective, going into Saturday, the Detroit Tigers had 31 home runs thus far this season. I mean, Matt Carpenter is hitting a 250 for the team. DJ Turner, Plameyu, Glaber Torres, they're more around a 260. Jose Trevino has been able to hit a 280. Aaron Hicks has been able to do something in this series. I mean, that's when you know things are really going right for this team. John Carlos Sand, a double-digit amount of homers. He's been a little bit banged up, but I mean, it's still been a great offense. And for the Blue Jays, maybe they'll pick things up a little bit as well, aside from this series going into the series. And scored at least four runs at, I believe, 13 out of their last 15 games. But you do saw Boba Ship, Vlad Guerrero Jr., along George Springer, lying between about a 260 to a 265 with Ligero Jr. being able to go deep 15 times thus far this season. Actually, more like 16 times thus far this season. Alejandro Kirk, he's been able to give you nearly a 400 on base. And ever since the Oscar Hernandez wanted coming back from injury because he was terrible before, and he has really been able to produce for this team over the last 21 days, hitting right around a 300 for this bunch. Santiago Speno has been able to get on as well. But for the Blue Jays, your main trepidation with this team is the bullpen. You don't necessarily have a lot of trustworthy guys. Emi Garcia has really been able to pick it up in recent days for this team. So that has been solid. He wound up having one or two bad appearances over the last week or two, but by and large, has been solid. You've got David Phelps, Tim Meza, along with Adam Simber posting up sub 2-4 ERAs, but then said Trent Thornton has not been able to do a good job. Trevor Richards, Julian Merriweather, Jeremy Beasley, all these guys are posting up ERAs that are north of 6. And for the New York Yankees, this is a top 3 bullpen in terms of ERA. You've had Michael King be able to do a great job of being able to give you multiple innings, and one more can be said about Clay Holmes, a 0.28 ERA thus far this season. It's been amazing. Wandy Peralta, a buck 50 ERA. I mean, when you've got Ryan Weber giving you good innings, you know that things are really going your way. Even with Chad Green or Aldo Shaman currently out of the fold, and Green out due to Tommy John surgery, this has been a team that has been absolutely lights out, and for Luis Severino, he has been a little bit better at home than on the road, but still, he's been able to come back this season, and he has been able to do a very solid job of just not allowing Watt in general. He's allowing sub two walks per nine innings with Severino. You always do have a little bit of trepidation with him, but 4-1 record. He's been able to get right around 10.5 strikeouts 
per nine innings. He's been able to go at least six innings in each out of his last five starts, giving up one run or fewer in four of those starts, at least seven strikeouts in four of them as well for your K-prop guys. And then you take a look at, you say, Kikuchi, there's just no trusting in him right now. He's given up more than five walks per nine innings as far as the season. His strikeout stuff, 10 strikeouts per nine innings. It's relatively solid, but 480 ERA in it's relatively equal home to road. As a matter of fact, 488 home ERA. He's given up seven out of his nine home runs thus far this season at home. I just feel like this is a little bit of an out of whack number. I, this is a spot in which I set the Yankees closer to a minus 140. So I'm willing to take the Yankees on the money line in this spot. And I'm also going to be taking a look at the over because I do think that the Bronx Bombers going to be able to get into that bullpen. And I do think that they're going to light Mr. Kikuchi ablaze. 917-918 on the betting board. The Walker Texas Rangers. They're on the road facing off against the Detroit Tigers as Drew Hutchinson is going to be going for the Tigers, and Dane Dunning is going to be looking to get her Dunning for the Texas Rangers. Rangers find themselves anywhere between minus 133 and minus 140 favorites. Meanwhile, between plus 120 and plus 125 is your price on Detroit, and you're finding this total anywhere between a 7.5 to an 8, with the 8, the under is minus 115, the over is minus 105 on the 7.5, over is minus 120, and the under is even, and when it comes to the Tigers, I'm saying them a plus 131. This is a spot in which I would need more like a minus 130-ish to be able to take a shot on the Rangers' money line, but if you're taking a look at the run line in this spot, you're going to be finding the Texas Rangers hovering right in that pocket of right around about a plus 120 to a plus 125, and this is going to become a spot in which if I'm able to get more like a minus 135 on the Tigers getting a run and half, that might be up my alley because right now, I just don't wind up seeing anything that I like with regards to a Tigers' money line. I would need to get more around about a plus 130 here, and I do think that eventually we probably are going to be able to get there, but with that said, I would actually be willing to take a Tigers run line if I'm getting more around a minus 130 to a minus 135 just because with Drew Hutchinson got to figure that he's probably not going to be too long for this game. He's got an 0-4 record wanted to begin the season out of the bullpen wound up just going four innings in his first start of the season against the Chicago White Sox nothing great, nothing terrible. Wanted giving up two runs there but he's backed up by a bullpen that does rank in the top seven with regards to ERA and he really got into that Texas Rangers bullpen yesterday because Taylor Hearn is just absolutely terrible. He wound up giving up eight runs in that start. So as a result, John King wound up having to be used up for quite a few innings. Now, the good news for the Texas Rangers is that they were able to save a lot more of their trustworthy bullpen pieces as Brock Burke was able to be saved. He's a guy with a sub-2 ERA thus far this season. Joe Barlow has been able to do a very solid job for the team. Matt Bush has been a little bit up and down, but Dennis Santana, he's been able to give you a sub-2 ERA and then you do take a look at what you're able to get out of Dane Dunning and it's been a case in which he just has not been the same pitcher when he has been on the road rather than at home. You take a look at Dunning and he's got a 302 home ERA, 546 road ERA, and last year on the road wound up having close to a 6 ERA. And this, despite the fact that out of his seven home runs surrendered, five of them have wound up coming at home this season. But an opponent's earning a buck 95 off of him at home, 320 on the road. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of positive progression there. And he's given up overall a little bit over three walks per nine innings. But this is the Detroit Tigers bullpen that they back up Hutchinson very well. You've had a lot of guys be able to come in and just hold down the fort in general for this team. Andrew Jaffin with right around a 3.5 ERA is a below average arm for this team. It's Michael Former, 225 ERA. You've got a sub-2 ERA out of Alex Lang. Willie Peralta has been able to do a good job. Gregory Soto, Will Vest in the 8th and ninth inning. They've been able to do a good job now. I don't expect the Detroit Tigers to put up two touchdowns like they wanted to in yesterday. That was just absolutely incredible considering they had 31 home runs in their first 64 games of the season. And I mean, you still have all these bats in Eric Haas, Robbie Grossman, Jameer Candelario, Spencer Torkelson. You're able to throw in there Cody Clemens. 
all hitting a 220 or lower for the scene. But you do have Miguel Cabrera hitting nearly a 300. Harold Castro along with Willie Castro. These guys have been able to move the line as well. And for the Texas Rangers, you do have Marcus Simeon along with Corey Seager hitting between about a 225 to a 235. Adolis Garcia has been able to give you 13 home runs. And for Adolis Garcia, after he wound up being stuck in the mud to begin the season, he's been hitting right around a 290 over the last three days. So got to give him a little bit of credit at the catcher spot in general as it's all for the Texas Rangers as Sam Huff, Nate Lowe, even someone like a Zach Reeks have been able to between a 270 to 275. So I do think that this is a spot in which the Texas Rangers are going to be able to get a little bit more right. If we're able to get down to more like a minus 130, I'd be willing to take them on the money line. Right now we're sort of in no man's land for me at a minus 135. So really what I'm going to be doing with regards to whether or not I'm going to be taking the Tigers or the Texas Rangers, it's going to be based on live movement with the Rangers getting destroyed yesterday. It could go one of two ways. So at a minus 130, we'll be willing to take a shot on the Rangers. We get up to a plus 130. We'll be taking a look at the Tigers. If we're somewhere in the middle, probably going to be taking a run and F with the Detroit Tigers. And when it comes to this total, I actually did what I'm saying my total at an 8.1. So a very rare Detroit Tigers over for me in this spot. And I'm going to be taking a look at this money line with regards to late nine line movement. 919, 920 on the bang board. The Houston Astros, they're going to be playing out the Chicago White Sox. As Michael Kopech is going to be going for the Southsiders. And Christian Avier is going to be on the bump for Houston. Houston is finding themselves anywhere between minus 155 and minus 160. Between plus 135 and plus 145 is your price on Chicago. Eight is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 110. I needed at least a plus 143 to be able to take a shot on the Chicago White Sox. I'm taking them up with a plus price yesterday. Now that we're up to a plus 145, going to be willing to do it once again. Michael Kopech has been absolutely magnificent for the Chicago White Sox team now. And do you think that the Chicago White Sox could probably use a manager who isn't 788 years old? But with that said, Michael Kopech... He has been absolutely amazing for the team. A buck 92 ERA. Now, I think that there's going to be negative regression with the fact that he's only given up two home runs as far this season, and he was dealing with a little bit of a knee ailment, which is why he wound up getting a little bit of an extra day or two with regards to days off, but with that said, he's been able to do an amazing job this season. 235 ERA, 157 OMI Your one trepidation that you really do have with him is the fact that he has been giving up right in the neighborhood of about four-ish walks per nine innings, so that is a little bit of an issue. And for Christian Javier, he's been able to give up right around three and a half walks per nine innings himself, but swinging and stuff with him has been absolutely messy. He's getting right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings. So you take a look at Mr. Javier, and he has been able to do a very tremendous job at home. Buck 98 home ERA, 463 Rodi already gave up two home runs in 27 and a third innings at home with opponents taking a 177 off of him. So he has been great. And what else has been great is this Houston Astros bullpen. They are number one in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. And that's why the Houston Astros have played over two thirds of their games thus far this season to the under as Seth Martinez still has yet to give up a single earned run for this team. And I do think that there's going to be a little bit of negative regression here. Ryan Presley, one of the best closers that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. But Ryan Stanek, I don't think he's going to keep up a 0.82 ERA. You've been able to get some good innings out of even someone like a Brian Abreu. You've had even Rafael Montero, Hector Neris. These guys have been able to come along for the ride. And for the White Sox, they've been dealing with some ailments with William Hendricks. That is something that is very, very tough for this team, to say the least, or else I would be able to give them a little bit more credence. But you still have Kendall Graveman, who he's been very good ever since. 
since Elon getting moved to the bullpen while he was with Seattle a few seasons ago. Joe Kelly is someone I have absolutely no faith in whatsoever, along with Ronaldo Lopez. But you've been able to get a couple decent innings out of Matt Foster. He's very much a hot and cold guy. And with regards to the Chicago White Sox, all of a sudden, this is an offense that has been able to get hot. They have been able to score five-plus runs in, I believe, now six out of their last eight games. And I actually think that it might be six out of their last seven games as they were able to light Justin Verlander ablaze yesterday. This is a team that they do a significantly better job of hitting left-handed pitching than right-handed pitching, but seems like those splits start to iron out. Daniel Mendick, Luis Robert, along with Andrew Vaughn, all these guys are hitting between about a 280 to a 290. You've had the backup catcher and Sebi Zavala be actually significantly better to, than Yasmani Grandal thus far this season. You've been able, I won't say, but you over the last 30 days have been able to hit above a 300 for this team as well. And AJ Pollock all of a sudden who wound up having a relatively rough start to the season. He's been able to hit a little bit above a 300 over the last 30 days as well. And for the Houston Astros, you still have the masters of this team. Michael Brantley sitting nearly a 300. Alex Bregman only a 220 overall, but a 340 on base. He had a home run earlier in this series. You got on Alvarez. He's been able to go deep 18 times. He's been able to give you a 400 on base. Jose Altuve, double digit amount of bombs. He's hitting a 270. Kyle Tucker, he's hitting a 260. He's been able to go deep 13 times. Now, bottom of the lineup, Jose Siri, Mauricio Dubon, Elamendis Diaz, Martin Maldonado. That's been tough. And having Jeremy Pena, uh, the fold, has hurt this Astros team a little bit as well. So that wound up getting factored in. I think that both of these guys are going to be able to land very solid starts. I do think that the trend of unders for the Houston Astros is going to be continuing because I do think that Kopech going to be able to hold down the Astros. Felt like Javier should have been a favorite, but getting plus 145 here, going to be willing to take a shot on the White Sox to go along with that under 921-922 on the betting board. The Oakland A's are going to be playing us to the Kansas City Royals as you've got Brady Singer on the mound for the Royals and it's going to be Jared Koning who's going to be on the bump for Oakland. Your total on this game is saying between 7 and 7 half on the 7. Over is minus 120. The under is even on the 7 half. The under is minus 120 and the over is even with Kansas City. Find the money between minus 135 and minus 145. Plus 125 is your price on Oakland and needed at least a plus 120 to be able to take a shot here on Oakland. More like a plus 118 but here at a plus 125 I'm going to be willing to take the Oakland A's. Now it has been a grody Oakland A's offense thus far this season that wound up getting shut out yesterday and for the Oakland A's they have scored four runs or fewer in pretty much each out of their last five games. But with that said, you do have a few guys that are starting to pick it up a little bit with regards to batting average. As you've got Ramon Laureano, who's been able to hit right around a 245. He's got a 330 on base for the team. Christian Bethencourt, he's in that 250 pocket along with Chad Pinder as well. You've got a lot of guys that they need to pick it up, like a Luis Barrera. Jed Lowry has been able to give this team nothing. Seth Brown, too. Seth Brown, with his eight home runs, actually leads the team, by the way. And for the Kansas City Royals, it's been a little bit downtrodden for them as well. Salvador Perez, they'll pick it up a little bit, but he's selling just a 209 for the year. Carlos Santana, even with a little bit of a recent surge, he's hitting a buck 95 for the season, which is really sad considering. Take a look at what he's been able to do over the last 15 days. He's hitting well above a 300. Andrew Benatendi has been able to 300 for this team, though. Whit Merrifield starting to pick it up a little bit. And Bobby Wood Jr. wound up a few weeks ago having a streak in which he wound up having an RBI in pretty much six straight games. But the issue that you've really got with both of these teams at this point is the bullpen. Both of these teams in the bottom 10 in terms of bullpen ERA. Now with the Royals, I do like Josh Samon overall. He's been able to lower his ERA recently. And Scott Barlow, sub-2 ERA. Joe Payams has been able to do a solid job. But then you wind up getting into Taylor Clark, who's gotten a of a 5 ERA. I think that they've got Amir Garrett on the injured list, which is a good thing because he has been absolutely terrible 
for this bunch. He is someone that you want no part of. Apparently, he's going to be available, so that actually makes it all the worse for the Kansas City Royals. Jose Cuas has actually been able to do a solid job, but got some untrustworthy guys like Daniel Bankton, the former A on that team, and then for the Oakland A's, Samuel, AJ Puck, sub-2 ERA for both of these guys, but Danny Jimenez, he has really been regressing. He's a guy that's gotten north of a 5 ERA over the last 30 days. Adam Muller has been looked to for long relief. Austin Pruitt has actually been able to do a solid job for this team, but Lou Trevino, north of an ADRA, Domingo Acevedo, he's starting to get hit around as well. Neither of these teams really have much power whatsoever. I think that Salvador Perez is the only player in this game with 10-plus home runs thus far this season. You've had Kyle Isabel be able to get on base for the Royals, and Michael A. Taylor is able to 280 as well, but got a pair of downtrodden teams with regards to their bats and the bullpens. Brady Singer, probably going to be the better starter in this game, but take a look at him recently, and he's given up at least three runs and now three out of his last four starts after he wound up having a pretty solid start to the season. He's given up six bombs over the course of his last four games overall, and it's only been giving up right around two walks per nine and eight strikeouts per nine rate. That is in the neighborhood about a nine as well, but that said, it has been a little bit tough with him for the 424 ERA. That said, 338 road ERA, and then for Koning, he actually wound up having a sub-250 ERA with the Las Vegas Aviators with how humid it is out here in lovely Las Vegas at his solid. Now, first two starts, they wound up being bad, but also keep in mind, he was on the road against the Boston Red Sox. He was on the road against the Atlanta Braves. Those are two very, very tough teams to go up against in two hostile environments, giving up 10 runs, 8-8 innings. I do think that that's going to lower a little bit, but I do think that a pair of offenses that have been quite honestly bad this season are going to be able to bust out the Royals. You take a look at what they've been able to do, and all of a sudden, they've been able to put up a few runs of their own as this is a bunch of prior to that Giants series that had scored at least four runs in something like six out of their last eight games are starting to pick it up once again. So this is a total that I do wind up saying more around a... 8.3, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over in this spot and being able to get north of a plus 120, taking a shot here with the Oakland A's. 9.23, 9.24 on the betting board, it is the LA Angels, and they're going to be on the road facing off against the Seattle Mariners. For the Mariners, it is going to be Logan Gilbert, and on the bump for the LA Angels, Mr. Kenny Rosenberg, and Rosenberg is finding himself as quite a bit of an underdog in this spot, as with the Angels, you're going to be getting them anywhere between a plus 140 to a plus 150. Meanwhile, with Seattle, finding them anywhere between minus 160 and minus 165. 7.5 to 8 is your total on the Seven half, the over is minus one twenty, and the under is even. And on the eight, flip it. The under is minus one twenty, and the over is even. And I did feel like the Seattle Mariners should be a relatively sizable favorite in this spot, but I think that we might be starting to go a little bit too far with regards to this money line. I wound up setting the Mariners at a minus one fifty nine. I would need at least so a plus one sixty to be able to take a shot here on the LA Angels. So you take a look at the run line that we're getting plus one twenty five on the Mariners. I'm seeing across the board, and I mean I was willing to take this at a plus one fifteen or greater. So this is a spot in which I'm going to be just looking to reduce the juice. I'm going to be willing to take the run line of the Mariners, despite the fact that they are the home team and they had a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark. And I just think that Logan Gilbert is that dominant. And you take a look at Kenny Rosenberg has been okay at the minor league level. Not someone that's going to give out a bunch of walks, swing and miss stuff. Far from supreme, it's far from terrible. But you've also got a case in which both of these teams are going to really need to get length out of their starters because the bullpens, they wound up getting used up a lot. First game of their double dip yesterday, wound up going to extra innings, and they wound up trotting out there. Some less than trustworthy starters in game number two, and you got to feel much better about Logan Gilbert being able to deliver that length because when it comes to Rosenberg, someone that has thrown six major league innings thus far this season. He wound up throwing five innings of long relief against the Yankees on May 31st, and that's the last time that we wound up seeing him on a big league mound. Meanwhile, 
take a look at Logan Gilbert. This has been someone that has been that steady Eddie guy. He has went at least six innings and now each out of his last five starts and he did wind up having some hiccups towards the middle of May but I mean, still a 2.22 overall ERA this season, a 2.12 ERA at home with one home run surrendered at 29 and two-thirds innings when pitching in Seattle thus far this season. Strikeouts per nine rate, that is at nine. He has not put guys on cheaply as well. He's giving up right around about 2.6 walks per nine innings and Rosenberg, I think he's going to be able to do a good job of being able to have command but I do think that this is a Seattle Mariners lineup that should be able to get to him. You've been able to have Ty France be able to give you north of 40 RBI. He's hitting above a 300 for the team. J.P. Crawford is hitting right around at 285 and Eugenio Suarez he has been able to go deep 12 times. He's got right around 325 on base now. Got a lot of guys like Luis Torrens. You're able to throw in there Jesse Winker, Dylan Moore and then you've got guys like Cal Raleigh and Abraham Toro hitting at 225 or lower. Justin Upton. Fortunately this guy wound up being okay after the scare they wound up getting a couple days ago but you certainly have a little bit of a feast or famine lineup with regards to the Seattle Mariners in terms of the top and the bottom end. For the Angels, you do have more Let's call it what it is. Power bats with the same Taylor Ward, Mike Trout, Choi Otani, Jared Walsh, all with a double-digit amount of homers this season with Otani and Walsh, both hitting between about a 250 to a 260 Ward, hitting above a 300, and Mike Trout, nearly a 400 on base of his own, and Brandon Marsh has been able to get on base for you as well. The bottom with guys like Kurt Suzuki, Luis Renifo, they've had a little bit of a tough time as well, but even with the Mariners and their bullpen not being terrific this year, I still have a little bit more faith in them. Penn Murphy has been able to give you good innings along with Paul Sewell. That's been a bad year for guys like Diego Castillo, Anthony Munoz and company, but take a look at the Angels and Rossi Iglesias, Ryan Tapera, Aaron Loop, all north of a four ERA. Jose Quijada, as a matter of fact, has pretty much been the best reliever of this team. Archie Bradley, he's got north of a five ERA, so it's been really downtrodden for this Angels team. I think that Rosenberg is not going to do a terrible job here, but I do think that he is not going to be able to lend the length that the LA Angels need. Both of these bullpens, I do think, are going to get hit around, and ball flies out much more during the daytime than the nighttime in Seattle. So I set my total at an 8.4, looking over, and I'm going to be willing to take the Seattle Mariners on the run line to be able to reduce the juice here. 9.25, 9.26 on the bang board, the St. Louis Cardinals. They're going to be facing off against the Boston Red Sox as Nick Pavetta is going to be going for the Sox, and Andre Pallanti is going to be on the bump for St. Louis. St. Louis finding themselves anywhere between plus 115 and plus 123 underdogs. Meanwhile, if you take a look at Boston, it's anywhere between minus 130 and minus 135 with 9 being your total over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105, and with Nick Pavetta, one of setting him at a minus 132, so Seeing the minus 130 up to a minus 132, I'm going to be willing to lay it here with Volante. He's been able to do a very solid job in both long relief and the few starts that he's been able to make with the St. Louis Cardinals this season. And he's backed up by a bullpen that's in the top half of the big leagues in terms of ERA. Giovanni Gagos has been able to figure it out. Ryan Elsley, he wound up entering into the weekend having given up one earned run all season long. TJ McFarlane along Nick Whitgren have been a little bit tough, but by and large, they've been able to do a solid job. But you take a look at Volante. He is a 23-year-old that's currently got a buck 46 ERA. He has not necessarily been able to lend a lot of length, but in his last start against the Cincinnati Reds, Five and a third innings of scoreless baseball. Now that was at home against the Cincinnati Reds, but certainly was able to do a great job there. And take a look at what he's been able to do on the road. It's a small sample size of 15 innings, but 0-6 ERA. He's given up one run in his 15 innings. Not necessarily a great swing and miss guy as he's getting right around six strikeouts per nine innings. The walks per nine rate being right around four. That is a little bit troublesome when it comes to being able to lend length, but certainly has been rock solid this season. And for Nick Pavetta, we wound up talking about this with Lauren Campbell on the podcast yesterday. This guy has been completely different at 
home. Last year, I had a 540 home ERA. Had a couple of rough starts to begin the year at Boston. And you take a look at him recently, and this guy has been the boss. He's got a 309 ERA at home, wanted pitching that complete game against the Houston Astros. He's given up four home runs in 35 innings at Fenway, with opponents saying a 211 off of him. His strikeouts per nine rate has been rock solid this season. He's getting right around 8.7 strikeouts per nine innings. And the walks per nine, that's down to three. That's not necessarily the world's greatest thing, but certainly improvement. And did take a look at this Boston Red Sox lineup and Jaron Duran, since he got called up to the big leagues, he's been solid. He's hitting above a three. And then you've got Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, Sander Bogarts. Oh, entered into Saturday hitting a 333 or better with Devers. He's currently on pace for north of 40 home runs himself. So he has been absolutely terrific. Now, bottom of the lineup, guys like Bobby Dahlbeck, Franchi Cordero, Trevor Story, Kevin Ploiecki hitting a 220 or lower. That's a little bit tough when Christian Vasquez is out there at the catcher spot. He's been able to do a rock solid job. And then for the St. Louis Cardinals, you've got a trio of guys and Brendan Donovan along with Paul Goldschmidt that have been able to do a very solid job of being able to get on base themselves. Both of these guys hitting well above a 335. And then the other guy, Nolan Arenado, he's hitting more like a 280, but has been able to supply 12 home runs. Paul Goldschmidt entering into what we wound up seeing yesterday. He wound up having 16 home runs, and I believe that Arenado wound up going deep yesterday as well, so that's another one for him. You've had the young guys like a Nolan Gorman be able to get on base for hitting right around 260. Juan Yepes has been able to do a nice job. Dylan Carlson, since he wound up being a little bit banged up to begin the season, he all of a sudden is on a tear. Since coming off the injured list, he's hitting right around 355 for this team, so that has been good for them as well, and for the Boston Red Sox, what's been really key for this bunch as well, the bullpen all of a sudden is a little bit more trustworthy. Someone like a Tyler Danish who you didn't know what you were going to be able to get out of him. He's down to right around 3 ERA. Austin Davis, a sub-3 ERA. Ansel Robles is back in the fold. John Schreiber, sub-2 ERA. Matt Stram, as they will fall into place. Tanner Houck is someone that's able to give you multiple innings. So, both of these teams have been relatively solid with regards to their bullpens, and I do think that you're going to get a pair of pretty solid starts here, but you've also got a pair of lineups that they've been able to do a tremendous job of being able to go yard. I did what I'm saying my total at a 9.2. As a result, I do think that Palanti probably going to be doing for a little bit of regression with the way that he's been giving up walks, and he is a little bit more of a pitcher contact guys, so this is the spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the 9 over, and with Boston, one to lay up to a minus 132 with them. 927, 928 on the betting board, the Cleveland Guardians at the road faceoff gets the LA Dodgers, as Andrew Heaney is going to be going for the Dodgers, and Shane Bieber is going to try to make believers out of all of us. This is a game that is off the board, because we did not know until the nighttime if it was going to be Heaney or not for the Dodgers, but I've got a roll to pick and price on this one with the Dodgers set them at a minus 107, and made my total at 7.8, so 7 after less looking over, 8 or higher to the under. For Shane Bieber, he has actually been able to do some very good work on the road thus far this season and only reason why I can't make him the favorite is that I do think that the Dodgers probably not going to run Andrew Heaney out there too long and they do have a trustworthy bullpen I'll get into that in a minute but you take a look at Shane Bieber and I've got Bieber fever for him 247 road ERA in eight starts thus far this season he's given up five home runs in 51 innings away from Cleveland opponents starting at 237 off of him swinging himself is down a little bit from last season but still right around nine and a half straight cuts per nine innings and he's someone that wanted pitching out there in the Big West, so he is a native of the state of California. I believe that he pitched for UC Santa Barbara, and for Andrew Heaney, this is going to be his first time on a big league mound since April. You got to figure that this is a case in which he's probably not going to be out there for overly long in his relief appearances that he wanted making his rehab. He didn't look too bad, so I do think that this is going to be a case in which we wind up seeing four innings, I would say, from Andrew Heaney, and he's always been a good guy at being able to get swings and misses. A big thing for him is not giving up the deep ball. With the Cleveland Guardians, you really have one guy 
guy that's able to take you deep. That would be Jose Ramirez. And Jose Ramirez, I mean, if you're looking at MVP contenders right now, he has been absolutely tremendous for the team. He did wind up getting the day off yesterday, so that is something that you do want to be taking note of. But I mean, he's been able to 95 with north of 60 RBI, 15 plus home runs for him. And then Oscar Gonzalez, he's sitting at 338 for the team. And then you're able to go down the list. Owen Miller, Richie Palacero, so hopefully I'm saying that correctly, Amid Rosario, Stephen Kwan, all these guys in between a 262-270. Andres Jimenez, he's been able to hit a 300 for the team. You do have a couple guys like Austin Edges, Ernie Clemente, Miles Straw, who have not necessarily been able to do a great job of being able to get on base, but still, it's been a pretty rock-solid unit. And then for the Dodgers, Mookie Betts has been out of the fold the last few days. That does wind up downgrading them a little bit, but Trey Turner has been able to hit above a 300-350 on base. He's a good base dealer. Freddie Freeman saying at 285, and you got to figure that the power numbers are going to go up with him as well. Going into yesterday, just five home runs as far as the season. you got a couple struggling bats. Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, Max Muncy, only at 215 or lower going into what we wind up seeing on Saturday, along with Austin Barnes as well. Gavin Luxo, he's been able to give you 360 on base. Chris Taylor, he had a little bit of a scary scene about a week or two ago. He's back in full for this Dodgers team, but you do take a look at the Dodgers, and they've got a top-five bullpen in terms of ERA, and it's not necessarily been the guys that you'd think of, because Craig Kimbrell has been rocking right around a four-ish ERA. You've had Blake trying out of the fold for quite a while, which I actually do think is quite a loss, but Yancey Almonte, he's been posting up a sub-two ERA. Evan Phillips right around a two ERA Danny Hudson, he's a guy that's pretty steady Eddie. He's been able to do a solid job, but even someone like an Alex Vasilla has been able to come in. He's been able to hold down the fort and for the Guardians. Emmanuel Classe has been absolutely tremendous for the team. He got a pair of failed starters in Eli Morgan, couple with same entages. Both of these guys are able to post up sub two ERAs, and Yelde Los Santos has been solid. Brian Shaw's had a little bit of a tough time with it recently, but Nick Sandlin has been able to give you some good innings as well. So I think that this should be a relatively pick em game. I do think that the Dodgers, they're probably going to wind up just giving Andrew Keeney a few innings in this game and then pass it along to the bullpen. I think that Bieber is going to be relatively solid, but especially with Jose Ramirez missing yesterday, there might be a little bit of something wrong with him, like there might be with Mookie Betts as well. That is something that you do want to be keeping your eyes on as well. So this is a spot in which I do end up making the LA Dodgers a minus 107 and a 7.5 for Lesl King over 8 or higher to the under end. We wrap things up with my DK Nation pick. 929-930 on the bang board. The Minnesota Twins are on the road facing off against the Arizona and the Diamondbacks. Merrill Kelly is going to be going for the Saints and Chris Archer is on the bump for Minnesota. 9 and a half is your total over and under any between minus 105 and minus 115. Twins are anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. You're going to be finding between even money and plus 105 on the Arizona Diamondbacks. And when it comes to the DK Nation pick, we are going to be riding with the under in this spot. I want to saying my total at an 8.3. Chris Archer is starting to lend a little bit more length. Now, you always have to be cautious with Chris Archer because he is someone that he is going to give up his walks overall this season. He's given up right around 4.5 per 9 innings, but he's been not too bad for this team. Right around 1.15 home runs per 9 innings. He's been able to deliver 5-plus innings in 2 out of his last 3 starts. And you take a look at it. He has given up 1 or 0 earned runs in 4 out of his last 5 starts. He had an outlier where he wanted giving up 3. But he has been actually a pretty solid pitcher of just lending 4-5 to five innings. And then allowing a bullpen that has been halfway decent to be able to come in and do their part. They've been piggybacking with him Griffin Jacks quite a bit. Someone who is a little bit of a long reliever. He's made 21 appearances this year but has went a little bit north of 30. Innings as far. He's typically a two inning guy in a lot of these spots. He's been able to have a 260 ERA. You've been able to get some good production out of someone like a Jarrell Cotton. He's been able to give you an ERA that is right in the neighborhood about two ish as well. Emilio Pagan is now off the injured list as well. And then you do take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks. You do have some less than trustworthy bullpen pieces, that is for sure. But you do also have Joe Manat Tipley, someone who 
as Bay will give you an ERA that I'm not even kidding. Entering into Saturday, it was a 0.37. Kyle Nelson is able to give you multiple innings. He's been able to post up a sub two ERA. Sean Poppin has been able to do a solid job. You want to be avoiding guys like a JB Wendell can. You've had Noe Ramirez post up a five ish ERA. It's not necessarily been too great, but you take a look at Merrill Kelly overall for the season, and he's always been better at home than he has been on the road, and that has manifested itself this season. 338 home ERA, 406 road ERA for his career, right around 1.3 to 1.4 points better in Arizona rather than on the road. Has just a 1 and 3 record at home, but it's allowed three home runs and 40 innings out there in the desert, and this is an Arizona Diamondbacks team that is playing over 60% of their games to the under at home because they're averaging right around 1.5 home runs per game on the road. More like 0.85 home runs at home. I find it to be very befuddling. This is an Arizona Diamondbacks team that overall for the season, they are hitting just a 219, and really their offensive numbers in general have just taken a little bit of a nosedive when they have been at home. Christian Walker, he's barely hitting above the Mendoza line of 200 now. He's got 16 home runs this far this season, and eight of them have been able to come at home, but I mean, it certainly has been a little bit of a drought for them, as right now their inning has a collective 213 at home. You've had Dalton Varsho only hit right around a 225 at home as compared to north of a 270 on the road. Quetel Marte has been dealing with a little bit of an ailment as well. That has hurt them just a smidge as well. And for the Minnesota Twins, you do have guys that are able to get on base for the team. Carlos Correa hitting right in the neighborhood about a 300. Nick Gordon has been able to hit about a 250. And Gilberto Cecino, whenever he's been out there, hitting north of a 325. Luis Rice, he's got north of a 400 on base. But Byron Buxton, he was out of the fold yesterday. And as a result, you had a Minnesota Twins starting lineup on Saturday with nobody having more than seven home runs thus far this season. And that'd be Gary Sanchez with those seven home runs. He's hitting right around 225. And for the Saints, you just don't really have a lot of reliability in general. I will say Alec Thomas hitting a 275. That has been pretty rock solid for the team, but they've been dealing with their guys that have been up and down. Nine and a half just seems too high in this spot. And I do think that Merrill Kelly is going to be able to deliver a very good start in this spot. And as a matter of fact, I did wind up making the Arizona Diamondbacks more on about a minus 124-ish favorite. So I'm going to be willing to take the Arizona Diamondbacks at even money slash or plus price on the DK Nation pick. Going to be on the under as that will wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. Now part of the VEASAN family of podcasts. A big thanks to Brian Rossi of the Philadelphia CityCast that we do over here at VEASAN for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and tune in. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer this in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNNRSquarty1. Keep in mind, letters M. They mean does not matter. Size per usual. Please send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find the five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.